This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I'm going to be talking today about you are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. And we're going to talk about how to get people into heaven. Amen. We're blessed to be able to help other people know what we know so they can go to heaven too. Amen. And... uh Got a couple things I want to show out of the bookstore. Uh, this one here is called Nuggets of Gold uh, for the Word of God, and this here's on evangelism. Show that that's evangelism, yeah, on evangelism. And what these are over the last uh, thirty years, Mrs. Pastor, when I'm talking and nuggets come out of me, things that I don't think of is by the Holy Ghost inspires things to come out. She's been writing those down and put these into books back there. And uh, it was a section back there called. Pastor Nuggets of Gold, there's that one on, this is the Word of God. But I, I, I've never ever really looked at these much because I just haven't. But I was looking at this part and thought, wow, that's some pretty good stuff. I want to read you a couple things. And this is from the evangelism, because that's what we're going to be talking about today, about you being your personal evangelism life. But I thought, wow. And then I thought, I said that, but no, I, I was inspired by the Holy Ghost to say it, because I, I couldn't come up with things like this. But then, here's one for... Your Christian witness, what people see, it says, we are a letter read of all men. We're a book. Are we a comic book, a dirty book, or a holy book? As a Christian, you want to be known as the jokester or a holy man or woman of God? You want to be known as the pervert? (laughs) A dirty book. You know there's dirty books out there. And there's comic books. But then there's a holy book, too. And what do we want people to think of when they see us? Now, here's another one. Everyone who is in heaven made a choice to be there. Well, guess who it is that shows them the choices they have? Not just the preachers, but it's the believers. Here's one. Oh, boy, this is a good one. If you're going to catch sharks, don't you be the bait. Man, can you, can you believe I said things like that over the years? That is so good. Now, here's this one on Nuggets of the Word of God. It says this. Hearing aid, when God aids your hearing by saying it over and over again from the Word. That's a hearing aid. When you keep on speaking the Word of God, that aids your hearing. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the unword people. Blessed is the man who walks in the counsel of the Word. These things are just loaded with things like that. And my wife is very, very gifted to put this stuff together. But anyway, that's just things from the... Word of God over the years that have changed people's lives. And I'll tell you what, those would be, those would be a good thing to give for gifts even. I'm not up here trying to sell stuff. I'm just thinking about us helping people to get to know Jesus and helping people become born again Christians and then learn to walk in victory as Christians. And, uh, I want you to up to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 2. And I want to say this. I know that, uh, I just think about the shape of our country today, the shape of the world today, and the things we're going to be talking about isn't those things specifically, but the only way we're going to change anything is to get people born again, and then to get born again Christians to go into church, read their Bibles, hook it up with other Christians, and that kind of thing. And so the things we're looking at, about blessed to be a blessing, they're for all of us to be better Christians to help people turn around. You know, just praying isn't going to turn the country around. 
That opens the spiritual door. And, you know, it's just like planting seed. Pastor Dave talked about seed time and harvest well ago. It does no, a farmer no good to dig up the ground and to water if he doesn't put good seed in the ground. And so the praying is like the watering and the preparation of the soil around us in our country and people's hearts. But then the Christians that plant the seed of the Word of God in the hearts been prepared by prayer, that's where change takes place. Amen? You know, nobody, nobody is just born to think, I just want to see how mean I can be today. Well, I know back before I was a Christian, when I was going through different things in life, man, sometimes I was meaner than a junkyard dog. I didn't want, I didn't get up just thinking I want to be mean to the world today, but I hated life. And so whoever's the first human being crossed my path, that's why they got the first volley. That's hard to believe a guy like me can be like that. But I'm not a guy like me, like I was. I'm a new guy. I'm a new creature in Christ. And when I turned around, the same people I cussed out, wanted to fight all the time, are the ones I wanted to hug and preach to. <laughs> Amen. A lot of their lives were changed. And so I'm thinking about our lives as Christians today. I want to stir us to be more conscious of what's going on around us. And instead of complaining about everything, start changing things. By our conduct as Christians, you know, I was talking to Brother Jesse a while ago. And we're talking about some of the things going on and money things and things like that. And some of the ways that, that the society tells us we have to do things for money, how we have, what things we have to do to be able to get this done, get that done. And he said somebody, he was trying to help Reese said, well, that's the way everybody does it. And I, I said, I said, I'm not an everybody. I'm a whosoever. Mark 11, verse 23, Jesus said, whosoever shall say. And so everybody may have to do it that way, but I'm a whosoever. I'm going to do it Jesus' way. That's another nugget right there I just got this morning. And say this to me, say, 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 I'm not an everybody. I'm a whosoever. Amen. That's who Jesus said would get it. And so anyway, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, and this is God when he first began to hook up with Abraham, who was going to become his covenant partner. He said in verse 2, I will make of thee a great nation, and he said, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I circled those two things. He said, I will bless thee, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless thee, and thou shalt be a blessing. And so, and so, and so God, this has been his heart and his plan for all generations. This has always been the heart and the plan of God to bless people because he loves them, then for us to take the blessing. And, you know, we can talk about that in the financial reading, you know, being a blessing with your money, being a blessing with helping people, things like that. But the number one blessing that opens up the door to every blessing is to be born again. It doesn't make any difference how healthy you are, how much money you got. If you die and go to hell, don't get to go to heaven. You know, Jesus talked about the rich man in the book of Luke. He said there was a man had so much money he didn't know what to do. He says, so I'll just build bigger buildings like so store my stuff. And then he said, God talked to him and said, you fool. Don't you know you're going to die today? And then whose will all those things be? And so that's not the kind of blessing we're talking about, although that's a part of it, because God wants people to go to heaven. And the ones that God uses to influence people Preachers influence the ones that will come to church, and we can, as a one-on-one individual, visit, uh, 
influence people we meet on the street or family members one-on-ones. But the main thing is the congregation members are out there every day. You're on the jobs. You're in the stores. You're at the family functions. You're the ones that they see more than anybody. And so I really want to be able to show you how to be an influencer today and how to be a blessing to people. How many want that? Amen. I'll tell you what. I, I was talking to, well, well, my friend, well, Je- I was talking with Jesse. And, you know, I was telling Jesse, there's a lot of things that I shared with my parents that were never received. But I said, the main thing I shared with them, they did receive, and they led to a prayer of salvation. And so they may not have got much blessing on earth here of things we know, but praise God, I'll be with them forever and ever in heaven. I got the main blessing to them, and they got it. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Give him a shout. And that's what it's about, to get these people, get these people born again, where they get, at least get the revelation that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Amen. Get that much into him. So anyway, uh, God called Abraham his, his friend. And I want you to write these two verses down I'm going to give you. They're really, they're really important. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 9, and Galatians 3, verse 29, Galatians 3, verse 9, verse 29, it says that everyone, that's a born-again Christian, is a child of Abraham also. Abraham's our father. He's our spiritual father, it says, if we're Christians. It says if, if we're in Christ, then Abraham's our father. It says we're his seed. And so what that means is this. We're not, we're not Jews. We're not his physical seed. But Galatians chapter 3 says we're his spiritual seed. And so the blessing, in other words, Galatians chapter 3, as you study that chapter, says through there are things like this, that if God promised it to Abraham, he promised it to us in Christ. If it belongs to Abraham, it belongs to us. And so this principle right here, he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. And so because we're Abraham's seed in Christ, we have been blessed to be a blessing. You know, we should never say we can't help somebody. We can always help somebody. And, you know, it may not be putting money in their hand. It may not be giving them a car. It may not be providing a house. But I'll tell you what we can do. We can introduce them to the one that has the cars, the one that knows where the houses are, the ones that know how to get money and food in their house. We can introduce them to him. And, you know, we was talking, Mr. Pastor talked to somebody yesterday about back in the 80s. Man, we were hit hard financially. And I said, there wasn't anybody to help us. Nobody ever helped us except Jesus. He provided our food, provided the things for our kids, provided our transportation. In 1985, I drove a junk, borrowed car for a whole year because I didn't have a job, didn't have any money. And I did the best I could do to do what we had to do, but the trucking industry fell out. And there wasn't jobs. And uh, it wasn't a welfare state then. Back then, it's like the government of Indiana believed the Bible. If a man don't work, he don't eat. That's what the Bible says. And so, I wasn't working, but it wasn't because I didn't want to. Because I just couldn't find a job. I mean, I got odd jobs sometimes. But I had a little, I had at that time about, uh, boy, five or six kids. And I don't know if you ever heard of a car called a Ford Fiesta. I had a Ford Fiesta. I had two teenage boys. That had shoes like pontoon boats. I mean, those boys had feet that looked like they was that big. We got in that car, we ride down the road, and had them crust like spaghetti in the back seat, and their shoes up against the windows. And had the other kids, 
they didn't have to have car seats back then, so I had everybody squirrel as much as we could. I lived for a year that way. But the whole thing with all this, Jesus provided for us through the whole year. We didn't go everywhere we wanted to go, didn't do everything we wanted to do. But one thing for sure, I, I told the people yesterday, I said, not one time did God get robbed of our tithe. First thing that happened for every dime we made, God got a penny out of the dimes because it was making those dimes. And so everything we got, God got the first part, and we came through that. And so that's what I'm telling you, that the people cross your path wanting things all the time. you got the number one thing they need. You've been blessed to be a blessing. And so God has blessed us and expects us to take what he's given us to bless others. Say this with me. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Say it again. Say, I am blessed to be a blessing. Man, don't whine and don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you do have. I have thought about Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and read it every day for the last couple of weeks. I do my brother, I got a brother, heck, devotional I'll do. And a couple of weeks ago, he was on Philippians 4, 6, says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God. And I'll tell you what, that with thanksgiving is jumping off to me every day. Every day, that's the first thing I read is Philippians 4, 6. And so every day when I read that with thanksgiving, I stop. And I say, Father, I'm not going to ask you for anything right now. I'm going to thank you that when I about died three years ago, you saved my life. I'm going to thank you, Lord, that we've got this beautiful place you've blessed us with out here. I'm going to thank you, Lord, for this wonderful church in California that you've allowed us to pastor. I want to thank you for all the beautiful people in our church, Lord, these Christians that love God, that want to do things for you. I want to thank you for that. And I just kind of just started doing that. I said, I want to thank you, Lord, for that day in 1980. First time I saw my beautiful wife. Didn't know she was going to be my wife for a year. I thank you for things like that. I'm grateful for that. And I'm going to tell you, if we start realizing how we've been blessed, that takes care of all the stupid thoughts. Amen. And if we realize ourselves how we've been blessed, Jesus said, for the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Then when other people cross our path and they're crying the blues, we start telling them how God's blessed us. That gets a spillover blessing on them. Amen. Amen. So anyway, God, God expects us to take what he's given us to bless others. I, I'll say it again. That could be money. But I'll tell you what, it's far more valuable than money to get eternal life into somebody's heart. And get their heart chased. I want you to look at uh, Galatians chapter, or not Galatians, Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. And I'll tell you what, this is really, really a wonderful, wonderful few verses here in Acts 26. And we all know who the Apostle Paul was. And Paul went through a lot of things. And, you know, they wasn't put him in prison all the time and beat him all the time. And so he had a chance to come before the king and tell his story. But then I remember that when, when Paul was on the, the road to Damascus, Jesus told him, you'll stand before kings, and all I send you. And, you know, I, I want to tell you something. This is a strange thing. that I'm just thinking about this as I said that. When I was a truck driver back in Indianapolis, I delivered things to the governor's office and talked to people there. 
I delivered things to the county sheriff inside of his office. I delivered things on Skid Row, little old Skid Row houses, a place like that. And so one day, I may be talking to high-ranking officials in the state of Indiana and the people on Skid Row all the same day. I think about that as a Christian. God opens up doors to us. And so if we're Christians, if we're Christ-like and live it, then God's going to send people across our paths, rich people, poor people, in-between people, educated people, high school dropouts. He's going to send us to people, and we always got to have our spiritual antenna up and be ready to talk to whoever he sends us. Amen? We're blessed. Eternal life is for political leaders. Eternal life is for those people on the street. Eternal life is for the educated. Eternal life is for the ignorant. Every human being there is is going to take a last breath someday. And nobody nobody goes through life without somebody telling them about Jesus somewhere along the way. And then the book of Romans, God said, if nobody's there to talk, he said, I'll talk to them through nature. Amen. But in our realm of influence, there's plenty of people we can talk to. So verse 13, Acts 26, verse 13, this is Paul giving his personal testimony to the king. He said, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven about the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And so Paul was like all of us were before we knew who Jesus really was. Paul was a very religious man, born into a religious family. And when you read the New Testament, you see that Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He is a super-duper scholar. He is a Pharisee and, and a judge and all those different religious things that you can be, man. He kept on getting more and more PhDs and DDDs and all, all the stuff he'd get about for his religious education and things he did, but he didn't know Jesus. And so I wrote this down. There's an eternity of difference between, between being religious and receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I know over, over, the, over, over the scope of my Christian life, I've met a lot of super-duper religious people that did not know Jesus. Matter of fact, you've heard my testimony much of the times, and may, probably people haven't heard it, but long story short, when I was a young boy, my grandma took us to the Baptist church. When I was a freshman in high school, I got born again. And I was the only Christian in my whole family besides grandma. So, it, I mean, it was, it, was, it was really rough. My whole family, dad, mom, everybody persecuted me. Found out I was giving tithes to the church. So I started taking my money. My dad, mom's in heaven now, so it doesn't make any difference about to talk about him. But it's a fact. They found out I was giving money to the church. I was giving, I was giving God 10% of my money to the Baptist church. And none of them understood me. Because they didn't know Jesus. And so I lasted about a year as a Christian, then I backslid. And then when I was 28 years old, after living all those years for the devil again, I started getting convicted in my heart. I knew that i got to get right with God. And I knew to get right with God was to be born again, because I'd, I'd been born again before. And so there's a neighborhood church where I grew up at. I don't know why I didn't go back to Grandma's Baptist Church. Maybe it's a good thing I did. They might have talked about a bit of tongue talker. But anyway, forgive me, Baptist. 
<laughs> but anyway, I started going to this neighborhood church, and I went there five Sundays in December of 1979. I know there's five Sundays, because, man, I was counting off the days till another Sunday came to try to get saved there. And every Sunday, I'd go to that church, they'd serve communion like we did today. And the, one, of the, one of the big singers of the choir was my drinking buddy from the tavern. He was an older guy. I was young. He was in his 50s. And, man, that guy could drink more beer than body I ever knew. we get off the job at 8.30 in the morning. By 9 o'clock, that guy had two or three beers down because the tavern is right around the corner. And so I, I go to that church to get saved, and there he is at the choir roll bought up there for all these other hypocrites. And so I listen to the preaching after I refuse communion because I do it's wrong me to take communion. I'm a sinner. I'm not walking with God. I don't want to touch communion. That's holy. I just know in my heart this is a holy thing and I can't do this. And so they pass the communion around. I wouldn't take it. I wait till the service is over with. And I'd run to the altar and shook hands to the preacher. I said, I got to get right with God. And this religious guy. All he'd say was, that'd be nice. We'd all like to be right with God. Said things like that. And so I'd wait till the next Sunday. I went back there again the next Sunday. Same thing, man. They tried to make me take communion. I wouldn't do it. I looked at Tutter Oak. Excuse me. I looked at the man up there. He belches beer out the same. I'd wait till the preaching was done. I'd go up there, shake the hand. He said, yeah. He said, good to see you back. He said, I said, he's a little bit of talk. I said, i got to get right with God. Will you pray for me? <laughs> yeah, we'd all like to be right with God. I thought, man. So third Sunday, I went back, and they had a younger guy up there as his associate. Same thing. I said, hey, man, will you pray for me? I said, I've got to get Jesus back in my heart. And you know, said something stupid to me. So five Sundays that happened, and finally... Finally, at the, end, at, 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 at the end of December, coming to the first week of January, one well, of my truck driving friends, that was a sinner, still on Facebook today. I'm still preaching to him. Jerry, if you're watching, get it. So anyway, anyway, I'm riding down the road there in Indianapolis in my 18-wheeler. I picked up my CB radio. And I wasn't saved yet, so I still doing stupid stuff. So I said, did stupid stuff on the CB radio because nobody knows who you are out there, the CB and what I did, Jerry was in range. Bernie, is that you? Yeah, Jerry, is that you? <laughs> so he said, hey, where are you at? I told him so we get off the next exit with this restaurant we like. So we sit there at the restaurant, and I didn't tell him I'd been going to church trying to get hooked up with God. But then he starts telling me, you know what, something strange going on in my life. He said, my wife. And her family, her dad, mom, and the rest of them said they're starting to go to this Pentecostal church. Well, I never knew what a Pentecostal church was, except weird, goofy people. I always saw my neighbor at the Pentecostals. They were weird ones, man. We used to like to go there in the summertime and just watch through the open door through the heat and see them dancing and jumping and falling and stuff they're doing for entertainment. That's all I knew. Pentecostals are weird. And so he starts talking about this Pentecostal church, and he starts talking about his wife getting healed. About his father-in-law getting healed. And so long story short, I talked to his wife to find out where that church was. I went in. And they pointed me in the right direction. And then I said that prayer myself one day when I was making a delivery in downtown Indianapolis. What I've said is this. I went to a preacher at another preacher at a church full of people. And the name of that church was called Christian Church, by the way. 
right on the front, Christian church. Matter of fact, took a picture of what I was out there a couple weeks ago. Took a picture of that Christian church. I went to that Christian church to find Jesus. Two preachers and the people went there could not hook me up with Jesus. And so what did, what did God do? He had an unsaved truck driver. Told me what to do and where to go. Do you remember when God sent a donkey to talk to a prophet? Well, if God could use a donkey and God could use an unsaved truck driver, why can't he use you church people? Amen. And, and so anyway, uh, Paul, Paul, Paul said, who are you, Jesus? And so verse 16 then, Jesus said, I, he said, verse 15, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. But then verse 16, he says, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. You know that God doesn't do anything by chance, that God's a pre-planner. I want to say that again. God's a pre-planner. God knew you before you were born. God knew you before you were born again. Well, that's that's another story. That's another story. I've been saved for a few years. I've been saved for a few years. And one day, the Lord just spoke to me real plain. He said, I saw you that night in the Sunshine Inn. At the Sunshine Inn, when we got, when we got paid on Thursday, there was a little tavern down the street for the truck dock to cast our checks. So we'd all go down to the Sunshine Inn, get our checks cashed, sit around there and soak up some suds. And so anyway, one night we were having, me and my brother-in-law were sitting in there talking, drinking beer, and we had a guy, we had a guy at church that was, you know, like a lot of messed up Christians. He gets saved for a while, and we got saved for a while, he'd go overboard. He'd come in, he'd, he condemned us for smoking cigarettes. Yeah, we were sinners and we smoked. He condemned us for drinking. Well, we were sinners and we drank. He condemned us for telling dirty jokes. We were sinners, we told dirty jokes. We lived like sinners sin. But he'd come in, he'd unload on us about our lifestyle. And then the next week, he'd come in hung over and staggered because he fell off the wagon. He went back out there and he was drunk again. And so he'd lived that way. So we're sitting in the sunshine in and was having to talk about that. And at that point in time, I wasn't anywhere close to God. And so I talked about if I ever go to church, we was talking about this guy, and I said, well, I'll tell you what, Kenny, if I ever go to church, I'll be all the way or not at all. I said, I'll be it all the way. So a few years later, after serving Jesus, he said, I heard you that night. And he said, I knew you meant it. He said, that's why I'm using you, because I knew you meant it. So even as a sinner, I knew I was not going to be a hypocrite. I was either going to be a God man or not. I wasn't going to be a double agent. Amen. And then I was going to, like Paul said, Paul said, watch how I live and follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. So that's, that's, that's how we did it. So Paul said, uh, uh, Jesus said to Paul, I've appeared to thee for this purpose, to make, a, make thee a minister and a witness. This is God for all of us. He wants us to be able to minister to people. At least in the one-on-one arena. Then if he gives you some kind of a ministry, whatever it is, to be able to effective, be effective in that, but also to witness. He said, both of these things which thou hast seen have those things in which I will appear unto thee. So God said, I want you to be able to be a blessing with what you're blessed with. 
and the things I'll bless with in the future. This is the will of God and his plan and his purpose for everyone that asks Jesus to come to their heart. Every born-again child of God is blessed with eternal life through Jesus Christ their Lord. So we can be a blessing by telling others what happened to us. By telling others the things we're learning as we grow in Christ, be able to share things. And boy, I'll tell you what, with the social social media stuff, they, you guys can share stuff every day. A lot of you do. It's so good to see Christians put scriptures on there and then tell what they mean to them. And then, especially when it's Christians that you personally don't thought, wow, these guys are living this, and we know this is effective. And then, and then, you know, I just want to tell you about what a witness is. We're going to talk about this in detail. Witness is one that tells what they've seen, they've experienced, and they heard. A witness. You know, you've all seen court shows. You've read books, probably seen things like that. A witness is somebody that tells what they've seen. And that's what he told Paul. He said, Paul, I want you to be a witness. Tell what you've seen. Tell what I'm going to show you. Amen. How many here have ever received healing from Jesus? You can be a witness to sick people. How many here have ever received a restoration in your family? Relationships changed or turned around where you know Jesus. You can be a witness to broke up families. How many here have ever been delivered from something, whether it's alcohol, drugs, nicotine, or whatever? How many have ever had a bad habit you got delivered from? Amen. You're a witness. You've seen that. You've experienced that. You've been blessed to be a blessing. Amen. How many have ever been in a financial strait to where you needed help from God and you got blessing financially? Amen. I'll tell you what, the times we live in, we got a, we got a church full of witnesses right here. Well, we can have court today right out there in the middle of Barstow, and we can, we can have evidence that wasn't hearsay. You know what hearsay is? That's just somebody telling how somebody else has been blessed. You know, I remember one time, downtown Indianapolis on Monument Circle, that's the big main part of Indianapolis, had my truck down there, I had delivery to a store of the downtown circle, and this guy's unloaded me was a religious guy from a cult. I'm not going to say what name of the cult is. But it's, but it's an international cult. They call it a church, but it's not. It's a cult because they don't believe Jesus is the risen Son of God. They think Jesus is the Son of God. They think Jesus was a great prophet. They think Jesus was a great teacher. But Jesus wasn't the Son of God. I'm a Son of God. John's a Son of God. Dennis is a Son of God. We're all sons of God. Jesus was just our brother. He's one of us. And so they're a cult. Cults are people that don't believe as Jesus is deity as the one as the one and only. So anyway, this guy this guy's the back of my truck, and we're just I don't know how the conversation got started. I'm pulling boxes off to him, and somehow or another we got into religion and things like that there. And then I start talking to him about Jesus being the Savior, Jesus being the Healer, and uh, you know the guys tell me how wrong I am that oh no I couldn't do that he's dead. I said no he's risen. And so anyway. I was talking, talk, giving me testimonies about healing. I talked about a blind lady laid hands on. She got healed. I talked about a crippled man I laid hands on. Started walking. Just popped off four or five of them. And the guy stops and starts getting tears in his eyes. And he says, well, I believe he'd do that for you. I said, he did do it for me. Because I wouldn't tell him. I wasn't telling him. My pastor said, or my pastor did, I had first-hand evidence 
It was not hearsay. I'm the one that laid hands on the blind lady. It wasn't some preacher on TV. Amen. I'm the one that laid hands on that man that had the stroke and his legs were crippled up. And I saw his legs healed right in front of my eyes. So the stories I told him was first-hand evidence. If I was in court, they would have been admissible as evidence. It wasn't hearsay. I didn't hear Dylan say he prayed for somebody that got healed. I could tell the judge, I could tell the prosecutor, I laid hands on this lady as she walked. Now, if you, if you want to call me a liar, you can call me a liar, but I was there. I did it, and she did it. And I'll go get her. If I have to get her, she can tell you too. That's evidence. He said, I'll make you a witness. And so the things that you experience are first-hand testimony. They carry weight with people. I'll tell you what, I've been around some mean people that have had some mean words. But when it's things I've really experienced, I'm not making up some story. It's for real. They believe it. Amen. Amen. So anyway, a witness tells what they've seen and experienced. And notice verse 17. And this might help you. He said, Deliver thee from the people and from the Gentiles of whom now I send thee. How many of you ever prayed for a job and you got the job? How many of you ever prayed for an open door to do something somewhere and you got there and it happened? And then you got there, they had mean people that didn't like Christians. He said, I'm going to deliver you for the people I send you to. God sends us to the boogers. God sends us to mean people. I mean, it's nice, it's nice to be in a Christian environment, but if you're working on a job that's all Christians, where's your mission field? Amen. Jesus, now listen, I'm telling you this right now. Jesus said, I'm going to deliver you from the people I send you to. You know, you, 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 you share your testimony with these people. Some of them receive it, some don't. You know, I was thinking this morning about one of the cases I got. Wow, I can't remember that guy's name right now. Mom, I was first married. But anyway, long story short, uh, I say this respectfully. Where I was at the Bible Belt back there, we didn't have a lot of weirdos like California's got. I don't know how else to say it. So, so I read out, out here, out here, a big percentage of the people that I've met are like this one guy I met one time for the first time there. I come out here, I thought, man, there's more of them. I, I was delivered downtown Indianapolis, backed up this place for the first time. And this guy come out there, man. He's got this hair. And I don't know if we got those hair jobs. Won't look if you do that. That's okay. He's got this hair. He's really scraggly. And I'm not against tattoos. But first time I ever saw him, I have tattoos everywhere. So the guy's got these tattoos all over him, but they don't have those back there. They do now. And he's got this demon necklace thing around his neck, little shark teeth or something, and a skull in the middle of it. Just really weird, weird-looking guy. And so I said, hey, I got a delivery for you. And next thing you know, I'm preaching to him. And while I'm preaching to him, he's got this thing around his neck, this great big old evil-looking thing with these red glaring eyes kind of sparkling, doing weird stuff like that. And I'm seeing all this stuff. I'm preaching to this guy. I ended up leading him to Jesus. And I found out. 
He's like every other human being. And then the guy tells me that he can't eat or drink anything hardly at all except special baby milk type stuff because he got severe ulcers. And this guy was only about 25 years old. But with all that demon stuff he had on everything like that, I thought, man, no wonder you let the devil control your life. And so I led him to Jesus, and then me and Mrs. Pastor invited him and his girlfriend to come to our house several times, and we discipled them. But I'm just thinking about that. The people, you know, as a sinner, that guy would have scared me. But as a Christian, I thought, this one that Jesus sent me to. And then some of the mean people I've known over the years that Jesus sent me to. And sometimes I would start whining, oh, pray, oh, Lord, get him out of here, get him out of here. Oh, Lord, get me out of here, man. I don't, I don't like being here like that. And then I would realize, wait a minute, if I'm going to be here, I might as well be what I'm supposed to be. I might as well be a witness. Amen. And so, you know, I think about the times over the years as a pastor, I've had the people come through the prayer line. This is after giving the testimony last month about the job they just got that God gave them. And then they hear this time up here, Pastor, you got to pray for me. I'm the only Christian on the whole job. They're sinners and they're mean ones. And sometimes I would say, now wait a minute. Didn't I agree with you in prayer for that job? And did you testify God gave you that job? Then it might be, instead of getting upset about no Christians there, that you're supposed to be the Christian maker. Maybe, maybe you should start sharing the love of Jesus instead of wanting to fight him. And I know that somebody said there's thinking right now, Pastor, you're talking to me, and I'm getting very uncomfortable. I really want to quit this job. That wasn't what I wanted to hear, but I think maybe I better be praying. And doing something to what God wants me to do. And you know what I, what, you know what I found happens? In Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7, it says, Promotion cometh neither from the east, nor the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. I found out in my years of secular work that I finally got with the program. I started doing what I was supposed to do. God would either promote, promote me up where I was, it brought me to another company where I did better because I did what I was supposed to be doing and he could trust me. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. As a matter of fact, matter of fact, as you look at that verse right there, when he said, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to deliver you protection for the people I send you to, that was the first witness protection program. Isn't that what he said? He said, I'm going to send you to places and be around people, but I'll protect you while you're there. That's called witness protection, isn't it? So don't, don't be a double agent, be an undercover agent. Amen. Mrs. Pastor, you're getting nuggets this morning, aren't you? Another book coming. <laughs> and, and so anyway, Jesus will lead us many times to people that aren't very nice and just always remember, Many of us weren't very nice either. Man, I'll t- I tell you what. I just keep thinking about my old, sharing this here is kind of sharing my testimony, my old past life. I remember I went through a very, very, very 
rough period of life back in the mid-70s. And uh, I don't know what else to say, man. I, I went off the deep end. I got I got an afro. I had a put my hair grew my hair back. I had an afro, and I don't grow a very good beard. So bad those stupid ugly pictures. I'm so glad we only got about one left. I had this stupid big fuzzy beard, an afro. I drove semis with platform shoes and bell bottoms. I thought I was Mr. Cool. I bought leisure suits because I went to the discos. This when discos were hot. I got out there, they had the ball of the thing spinning around like that, they had the glass floors lit up, and I was so stupid, on my job, I wore that, I had the shirt unbuttoned down there, the silky, goofy shirt, and I had beads up, I wore up my <laughs> driving semis like that. Can you imagine getting in a semi? I had these great big ugly shoes, had heels about that big, and couldn't hardly walk like that. What did these people think they saw me get out of that truck? Wow, I thought I was cool, though. I thought I was cool. But at the same time, I just tried to act cool to the people I wanted to be cool to. Everybody else I was mean to, because life was bad right then. And so I sat told that story to get to this part. After I'd been saved a couple years, and I went to all the people in the office on my job, one day I got the Baptist secretary Filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues right there in the office of all those center secretaries. I said, I said, I said, raise your hands. She raised her hand. I laid hands on her. She started speaking in tongues. The whole office stopped. And everybody looked. That's the kind of stuff I do. I, I, my terminal manager, the big head guy, knew what a powerful Christian I was. And overtime was shut off, and I didn't like overtime anyway. I'd get in off my run. This is a couple of years I've been a Christian. And his office was a glass office, so you could see everything going on everywhere. All the guys with seniority had to clock out and go home. And that was the money grubbers wanted all the money, wanted the overtime. I didn't want it anyway. That guy would, he see me at the time clock. And he'd look at him, hey, 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 tell Bernie to come here and see me. I'd go back there, and the guy was married to a Jewish woman. He wanted to ask me questions about Jesus, and he, he wasn't a Christian. He would ask me questions about Jesus, so he'd tell his wife about her. This happened several times. He called me back there to talk about Jesus because he knew I wasn't a phony. And so I sit back there thinking, man, I want to get out of here. I don't want to be in here. And so all the guys out there getting mad, look at him and they're sucking up to the boss. He's sucking up again. I wouldn't suck up again. I was in a witness protection program. He called me back there because he wanted to hear some things. And so anyway... After I was born again those couple years, leading all these people to Jesus, one day one of the guys out there on the dock, I prayed the prayer of salvation with him, laid to Jesus on the dock, and I had this guy that worked with me that was a Christian. He was basically a dead denomination where they didn't believe much about anything. They believed about Jesus. And so I saw him in the break room, and I was all excited. I said, hey, man, I just led so-and-so to the Lord. And so then this guy stops and goes, Where'd you baptize him at? I said, well, there ain't no water on the dock. He said, he's not saved then. I said, this guy had been a religious Christian for probably longer than I was old. And so then uh, I said, well, I saw the Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He didn't know what to say about that. I said, 
In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, If you believe in your heart and confess your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. And so then, I said, and then, and then the Holy Ghost to me said this. So now I want to ask you a question. And I wasn't thinking about him, my heart talking. I said, how come all these years I was so hurt out there, you never one time told me about Jesus? You know what he said? He said, well, you're so mean, I was afraid to. And I said, I wasn't as mean as Paul was, I didn't kill any Christians. And so, I wasn't mean, I looked mean, but I was hurting. And I learned lessons out of that over the course of my truck driving life. And even after out of a truck as a pastor, I learned that the people I run into in life are spitting out the meanest things or the hurtless people. And so I learned to ignore insults. I learned to ignore cussing. I learned to ignore that venom. And I learned to share words that I could share that would bless. And if I got cussed out, that wouldn't cost me nothing. I'm dead. My life is hid with Christ in God. And so that's what I learned over the years, that the meaner they are, the better they fall. Amen. And so, you know, I'm just telling you things. What, what, you know, I did all these stories wasn't planned at all. I realized that what am I doing? I've done what Paul was doing with King Agrippa. I'm telling you what I've heard. I'm telling you what I've seen. I'm telling you what I've experienced. That it's time for us as Christians to start fulfilling God's plan and purpose. We've been blessed to be a blessing. I've received eternal life. I got delivered. From alcohol. I went into the drugs too much, a little bit of marijuana, and that's, that's about as deep as it went. But a little bit I was in there. I got delivered from that stuff. I got delivered from all the things I was in by Jesus. So I've been blessed. And those people that are addicted and hurt up and messed up in life out there, I can be a blessing. Amen. Say this to me. Say, I've been blessed. Say it like you mean. I've been blessed. To be a blessing. Amen, amen, amen. Now, look at verse 18. This is really, really, really critical to our whole lifestyle. And so he says, I'm sending you to these people to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. How many know that all those addictions are darkness? All that fear and depression is darkness. All this horrible, horrible, horrible politics and social unrest in our nation is darkness. At our job, just think, if the amount of Christians are in America that are real Christians go to church, would start sharing with the people that cross their path, all these different rioters and haters and dividers and everything there is, if one-on-one they started talking to people, their testimony, and we started chasing this, ter- this nation one person at a time, and Jesus would truly again be Lord over America. It's the one-on-one thing. And you know, in the influence and arena, as we're witnessing with our life, and witnessing is not a drudgery, we have to force it out, it's a natural thing. It just happens. 
You know, I think about John, think about Jesse over at the Ford dealership, all the people come through there. Uh, think, think, think about uh, Tawny and uh, Blake, Jamie, work, work at, working at the, working at, work, working at the uh, adoption center. That's what it's called, right? Foster child adoption place. All, all the hurting people come across the paths there. And just whatever your, whatever your jobs are. I think about Brittany. I mean, one of the super waitresses in town. If you ever want to be blessed, go over to, I can't tell the advertisement, but anyway, go over there and eat. Talk to me after the service. It'll be good. I can tell you where it used to be. It used to be Bun Boy. That's where we got fat at. <laughs> but anyway, all these different people, all the jobs you got, just did the one-on-one things, just the one-on-one things. You change one, you change one person, and they can change a hundred people. I think about, well, you know, again, about these influencers. You guys know who Burtek is? Well, the Burtek, the Burtek company of Indianapolis, I, I can't remember the name of that place now. I was eating in a restaurant one day. And I was sitting there, the seats were all well close, and there's this old guy sitting beside me, and I started talking to him. Turns out he's Mr. Burtek of Indiana. He was the guy that founded and owned the company, and everywhere you went in Central Indiana, that was the trucks that were everywhere. Got to talk to this guy, and the guy just talks about, Oh, I'm just getting old now and got my sons and I don't know if they want my company and stuff. I said, well, what's your company? Just tell me. We're talking just. And this guy was, I think, probably, probably around 75 years old. That's not old now, though. But anyway, he was old to him. <laughs> and so, long story short, I said, well, Mr. Burtek, whatever his name was, I said, you know what? The only problem you got is you don't know Jesus. And so this guy is a multimillionaire guy and things like that. And whatever we said, I said, could I pray with you to receive Jesus? The guy said, yeah, I'd like that. And I prayed for this old guy to receive Jesus. He got born again. And, you know, I'm thinking about that. It wasn't a hard thing. It was an easy thing. And then, well, one more story. Want another story? We had a Chinese missionary. A girl we supported for years, still friends with her. Matter of fact, Pastor David, I talked to her a couple of years ago in Minnesota. Chinese, Chinese missionary lady. In our church, and we took her to, we took her to lunch at this cafeteria, and this was probably 25 years ago. The Japanese car factories were just starting to get big in Indiana, and so anyway, this guy we, we we was going through the line, and I saw this saw this Japanese guy behind me, and up there paying for him, and I told the cashier I said I'm buying his too. I so said I bought this guy's lunch. He got up there, and the girl uh, told him said Hey, that man paid for it. And so, you know, we're, we're unconsciously led by the Spirit of God. And so, he looked at me like that, and he spoke very broken English. He, you know, I'm not making fun of you know, just Japanese talk. And I didn't know what to think about it, except I said this. I said, why don't you come and eat with us? I thought, here's Heidi right there. She might know some of this talk. And she didn't know some of it. And so, this Japanese guy sits down at our table there, and we're sitting there, in his broken English and her broken Japanese Chinese mix that she had from where she was at, we led him to Jesus. You know who he was? The name of this great big Toshi Hushi, whatever it was, factory. He was the guy that owned it. He Mr. Toshi Huko or whatever his name was. We led him to Jesus. We led him to Jesus. Yeah. And think about this. I, and, you know, I'm just telling you again. The people that cross your paths, 
You just got to let the Holy Ghost in. You begin to work and do things. That was such an awesome thing. I love that. So anyway, it says, We turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And so our whole thing is, we've been blessed. How many have been turned from darkness to light? From the power of Satan unto God. And that power there means authority. You know, whether, whether you say it this way or not, if you were controlled by sin and demons, then Satan was your Lord at one time. He was your master. He made you do things you didn't want to do. He made you say things you didn't want to say. He made you hurt people that you loved. Amen. Is, is, that, is that right? Well, that's what Jesus told Paul. He said, I want you to turn these people from that kingdom into my kingdom. And so I want to show you real simply how to do that. I want you to look at Mark chapter 16. Amen. And we're going to look at verse 15, 20. And Jesus it tells us here how every one of us can do verse 18 of Acts 26. How we turn people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, so they can be born again Christians and receive eternal life. We call this the Great Commission. Verse 15 said, to him, Go ye to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so, your world might be the Ford dealership. might be the Walmart store. It might be Dave working out in the fields helping the farmers. It might be you guys that work at the marine base, school system, railroad. Wherever you work at, that's your part of the world. He said you preach the gospel. Well, that just means you're proclaiming the good news. That just means you're letting people know that Jesus changed my life. Is that good news your life was changed? Well, that one guy on my job there that uh, told me I thought you was too mean. Well, we we actually become friends after that. Why why is that? Because I wasn't the same person anymore, and my witness even changed him to be a better Christian. This says, "He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved; he that believeth not shall be damned." And these signs shall follow them that believe, and those signs are the evidence, the evidence of your witnessing. In my name, they cast out demons, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, drink any data things shall hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's evidence that Jesus is risen. If you're telling people that Jesus in the Gospels always healed people, and if Jesus is the same yesterday and forever, that means Jesus still healed people today. Uh, so he said, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. So then after the Lord has spoken unto them, he has received up into heaven and set on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. Here's the key to our Christian witness. The Lord working with them. Confirming the word with signs following. Confirming the word with signs following. The new birth... Receiving eternal life is the greatest blessing God has ever given to a human being. It's the beginning of every blessing of the new covenant. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
For more information, visit hdwc.org.